0: Hello and welcome to Self Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Janaea Barnes. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, Janaea. Hi. We are here today doing another episode of Self Sabotaging Sagas, and we are thinking outside your box today. So people get stuck in their little box of thinking and it keeps them small, it creates all these problems. We're gonna talk about that. I'm here today with David Everett Carlson. He's a socially articulated art director and a man of many creative talents. So David, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, what is a socially articulated creative director? Um, I don't know. You tell us. I basically, I've worked my professional life in the communications business. So I've worked for advertising companies, which means that my job every day is to go in and prepare materials that will help you sell whatever it is you have to sell. And that can be soup to nuts, can be services, airlines, all of that. But in, um, in 2011, I was involved in the Occupy Wall Street demonstrations down at um, Zuccotti Park near Wall Street. And it brought all of my professional skill to a social purpose. And that was something that was something I probably hadn't realized so much before. Um, so that title is, you know, of course, self-created. but I think it describes that I work in communications with an understanding of um, social issues and social content. Right. So that's that.
0: You know, it's interesting. You and I have talked a few times now and we were kind of back and forth. I was like, maybe we should talk about this. Maybe we should talk about that. And the post that made me reach out to you said, in 1993, my broker told me I could retire in five years if I just held the line. And I looked at my bosses They were rich but miserable, so I did something else. And so that to me spoke very much about what we're talking about now is that you, and in our conversations, you have chosen time and time again to not do the normal thing, to actually step outside the box. So it's really funny how somehow deep within us there's that purpose or that thing that is important to us and it takes a photographer somewhere and a demonstration to be able to articulate what that is
1: so that um that post you know i made notes for tonight and i've forgotten about that post (laughs) that's (laughs) That's how this all got started.
0: That's how it all got started. Um, I I used
1: to describe, what, okay, I had gotten to a point in my career where I worked as a vice president for a top five advertising company. And this is the same as, as being made partner at your law firm. Right. It's It's arguably a big deal. Um right there were there were 3500 people in my office building a 50 story tower um there's only 200 vice presidents and but i looked at the people around me and i realized that they were measuring their lives by the number of feet of garden hose that they owned mm. And, and that was it. Wow. I need, I need another hundred feet. I got a bigger place, you know, bigger lawn. Right. Oh, that, but that kind of thing. Um, and that didn't seem fulfilling. Um, fortunately, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Fortunately, I had options. And if I, if I had to, you know, advise a student or a younger person, what is your job? Your job is to create options. That's it. Your job is to manufacture choice. So how do you do that?
0: I have to interject really quick right here because that is so powerful because I mean, this is literally what I do with my clients is, We are navigating through their stuff so that they have more choice because when you feel stuck, you're, you're, that's it. You're just stuck. And so I love that you're talking about creating choice.
1: Ah, now, um,
0: I'm excited. What do you what do
1: you got? Hold on. on. Well, I just realized that this is not your Uh, book.
0: (laughs) No, but it's called for those that are listening and
1: of choosing. Right. And let's read. It is written by a woman named Sheena Liongar. And She is a professor at Columbia University, and that's her job. Her job is to work with people on making better choices. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, I had heard about the book on an NPR story, ordered it ordered it from Amazon, and it's it's a it's an excellent, um, albeit scientific dissection of of choice. No, she is a scientist. She Ah. is a a PhD. She's an urban anthropologist. Um, She works with corporations on getting their people to work um, better together. Um, She's done government projects. She has case studies. And It is, I think it's valuable to take an academic look at it because you don't think, um, you know, there you are on the grocery aisle in front of the cans of soup. How does that work? Right. (laughs) You know, how does that work? Because one of those, one of those you're going to pick. Um, Just to a quick story from her book, they had, um, you know, kind of a focus group and there were, they could have to drink, they could have water or they could have Coke or Pepsi or an orange drink or this or that, they had six or seven different soft drinks. And one of the respondents said, well, but that's only one choice. That's just carbonated water. So my choices are carbonated water or water. (laughs) That that person didn't perceive the seven different varieties to be choice
0: at all. Right.
1: That it was one thing.
0: Well, and and that's really like as we get down to thinking outside the box, it really is about our perspective. When we are stuck in the spot and like, for instance, you were stuck in the spot where your broker was telling you that you could hold the line and you started to see that, hey, this is not what I want. This is not going to create a fulfilling life. And you said you were lucky enough to have some choice. And I think what people don't always realize is that we always have a choice. It's sometimes we might just be stuck with that perception that we only have water or carbonated water in seven different flavors that we don't. Right. Seven different
1: flavors that truly you don't care about.
0: Right. So (laughs) when.
1: but I think back around to the point of being able to manufacture choice or maybe being able to illuminate what those choices are because they are there for you. Maybe you can't see
0: them. Right.
1: So do you remember the other day we talked about the exercise that my advertising professor in college um gave every every assignment came with an exercise and this week's assignment might be you have to do a print advertisement for soup all right what what are the benefits oh well it's really good soup or we have (laughs) 18 different right. flavors. No, they, they give you a document that's that's all the things, all the elements you can use to sell the soup. Doesn't matter. It's still soup, right? 18 right. different flavors, still soup. <laughs> but the exercise was that you had to go away and do 35 different thumbnails. little. You guys remember
0: thumbnails. that? 35. 35.
1: 35. So... What's the first thing you do? You write down, define problem. Oh, what's my problem? Um, But you're going to do 35 attacks on that. The first five that you do are the most obvious. They're the most logical. They arguably make the most sense and might even be the most easy to solve but more than likely the least communicative, the least interesting, probably not funny. Um, <laughs> just that. So now you've, now you've done five and you've got basically all the shite out of the way. Um, and then you get bored. You just start doodling around and it goes, well, it doesn't have to be any good. All all I need to do is knock off the numbers here. So you will do that. And what happens, believe it or not, is that you will bore yourself. You will be not interesting to you. Um, And so somewhere at the end of that exploration, somewhere in the 20s, you've, you've kind of, gotten all the crap out of the system. And right. you may you may sit back. You don't have to do this in an hour. You know, you, you may sit back and you may take a break and go, wow, I got a good run at that man, only 10 more left. So go have a cigarette or, you know, have um, drink. Have, <laughs> have something Coffee? to eat, yeah, whatever, <laughs> take a break and come back and more than likely um the final things that you do are the are the most well thought um yeah and the most interesting and you you will like the project again boy now you've now you've performed due diligence
0: you know right
1: now now you've done the work and i think a lot of times people don't realize that it is work the daily issues that you have to deal with you know what it's a job
0: (laughs) right well it's so interesting too because ultimately i mean i know this because i study the mind right The mind needs a problem. We actually need problems to be happy. If we had a life of utopia and no problems ever, we would become bored. We would become depressed. All these things start to happen to the mind. But sometimes we cannot solve our problems. So I love this 35 thumbnail thing. I've heard coaches talk about Oh, write down 20 solutions really fast, really fast, really fast, just whatever. And that's a good thing. But I mean, 35 really pushes it. And it really pushes you to get outside and out of your own way. Like you said, those first five to 10, you're just going along. They're the obvious choices. But when you have to push, I mean, beyond 30 or beyond 20, When you're pushing after 20 now all the boundaries are gone you're like well i'm just gonna think about what if i'm doing this on mars and (laughs) yeah somehow and that's and that's where the big inspiration comes from those things that really get you outside your perspective of, you know, the two, only the two kinds of choices, which in reality, then you start to realize that you actually have seven, eight, nine, ten choices.
1: Yeah. And remember, remember back to what we were talking about, um, a concept I call passive thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And This is, yes, I have a problem. Yes, I have a things to-do list. I've written it down. There are 16 things on that list this week. Um, Of course, it's not possible to accomplish all of them. Um, (laughs) But no,
0: passive thinking. I can
1: try. I can try. (laughs) Yeah. Passive thinking is way to take kind of your most difficult issues and put them on the back burner. Sometimes you don't have to solve the big problem today. Right. And sometimes not thinking about it is the best way to think about it. Um, taking the heat off. So creative people the world over will tell you that the hit song, the big idea, how did it come to you? I've heard people say, I, it was a dream and I woke up and I wrote it down. I was in the back of the taxi. I was having a shower. It's the times when you're not thinking about it, that inspiration, if you will, strikes. And so how do you create an environment to encourage that kind of thought? One of the one of the examples I had given you was do a menial task. Go ahead, rearrange the bookshelf.
0: <laughs> 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 Alphabetizing you know everything.
1: It's a phenomenal waste of your time. <laughs> <laughs> Who really knows that it's not organized anyway? Only you. Right, 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 right. No, find find a menial task. Um, You know, mowing the lawn, that kind of thing. Um, Right. You know, I had talked about a job I had where I had to sweep a rather large garage, and it took four hours. But let me tell you, that's four hours of absolute quality thought um you know what yeah because there's nothing, <laughs> there's I mean, nothing it's, else
0: to do. it's so crazy because especially now with the technology we are all up in there our phones we're all we're constantly bombarding our mind with stuff so we do not allow ourselves this space to think And remember earlier, I said the mind loves a problem. You know, those things where you're thinking about something or you're trying, you're like, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know it's there. And you forget about it, right? You're trying so hard to remember it because it's so important in that moment. But what you've done is you've tasked your unconscious mind to solve the problem. And all your memories, all your stuff, your unconscious mind holds all of that. And so then all of a sudden you are sweeping the floor or you are half asleep and you wake up in a jolt. And you're like, oh, it was Barbara Streisand.
1: I don't know. Right, why. right, right.
0: But but you remember it because you've given your brain the space to just find the solution. And so that's one of the things that when we're so consciously all about the problem, oftentimes that's not where the problem is. And consciously we're in our box, right? We're in all that we can see because that's conscious. But when we're talking about our unconscious mind, which has so much more superpowers in because it remembers everything, it knows everything you've ever seen and experienced, that's where it has much more creative thought and ability to tap into some sunset memory from when you were 12 years old that you have no idea, but all of a sudden you're painting it or you're using it in an advertising campaign. It's powerful.
1: That's um, that's another thing. And this is, this is something I would I would think a lot of people don't think about in terms of problem solving or in ter- terms of evaluating something. Do you think of pictures? Everybody thinks a problem is something right down. Okay, draw a line down the middle of the paper, put the pros on one side, put the cons on the other side. Well, that's extremely logical and extremely linear. (laughs) Right. Doing the 35 thumbnails, what are those thumbnails? Well, it's a picture and a caption, basically. What's a headline? Right. It's a caption. Well, should the words be bigger than the picture or the picture be bigger than the words? You'd be surprised at how... See, those are two layouts. It's the same headline. That will get you... Oh, you're 35 that's one of them you know just, the
0: layout.
1: <laughs> just the layout. So that's these, cheating
0: that's cheating David. that's not
1: <laughs> cheating it's called
0: exploration okay and, okay fine well oh, if we're tasking the people to solve the real problems though i'm gonna challenge them or the real problems in their life i'm gonna challenge them to well actually no i take that back the headlines could be there because they do have a well, different effect.
1: More the more the point I'm saying is that there are two elements. There's a picture and there's a thought. Right. right. And a lot of times I don't think people consider what might the picture be. Draw me the solution
0: right
1: something like that um that's something that a design student gets as a discipline you're you're taught to work this um and to start asking yourself those questions picture big picture little um, headline big, headline little. Where are they where are they oriented? Which one do I see first? What's important to my thought process? So right, right. working working in both visual and oral capacities really uses both sides of your brain, both your right yeah, yeah. and your left you're logical and you're theoretical you're conceptual um most problem solving doesn't involve the right side it's done logically right it's taught to you logically it's it's a mathematical formula it's not it's not usually regarded as being particularly conceptual it's like there is a way we're going to find it
0: I'm going to give you this math problem. And you've got to do it this way. And don't you dare think of a picture and definitely not a feeling.
1: Yes, it's ones and zeros. There is nothing else. (laughs) Anything can be communicated using ones and zeros.
0: Well, and I think this is so important because our internal representation of how we experience everything is not just the words that we say. So right now I'm talking about words, but I'm seeing pictures in my mind. I'm feeling feelings. There might be some voices that I say to myself that could be the headline maybe, (laughs) but we do not think in the language that we use and language is Literally, it's just a representation. It's made up. (laughs) It's made up to try to explain our thoughts, our feelings, the pictures we see in our mind, the things we hear in our head. And so they say, of course, a picture is worth a thousand words. And, and it's true because you really look at, if you see a picture, there's so many pieces. And because we each experience the world differently, we're going to notice different things about the picture. And because of that is part of why we get stuck in our own little boxes because we're basing our experiences based on the past. And then we're looping around this box of thought and having a hard time getting outside the box so we can solve our problems and create creative and, dare I say, magical solutions. Well,
1: in our education system, as it stands right now, um, we don't teach visual thinking very well. No. Um, why because it can't be quantified like you can quantify words right you know what is the law well the law are words where are those words those words are on a contract and it means x um this and that um you will rarely find contracts that have pictures in them Right. No, we don't. um, And we don't take into account how much of your perception is visual. Right. You know, I can guarantee you that you can draw me a picture of a feeling much more accurately and truly than you can write about it.
0: Oh, yeah. You know,
1: because writing about it, all of a sudden you think you have to be Shakespeare. That makes it hard. Oh, Completely. shit, I won't be eloquent. People will think I'm stupid. <laughs> it's-
0: well, it's also not even that. Like, if I tell you, okay, so we'll pick, pick a word like love, right? Now, we all have an idea what love means to us and if we were in a relationship for example i bet you you could take at least 60 70 percent of couples and have them write down the word love and then underneath it write down 10 things that it means for them and i guarantee you not all of those words are going to match up and we think about why we have so much miscommunication because the way that we think and feel, is it's infinite in, di- infinitely different from person to person. And if we're trying to articulate to a person, somebody else, and putting it inside of a certain box, we have this perception that people think just the way that we do. So when we see a solution, when I see a very clear solution to a problem and somebody else can't see it. Sometimes in the past, when I was younger, I would just want to shake them. I'm like, why can't you see it? Because, Darling, like, mm-hmm. why can't you see it my way? My right. way. It's all about me, baby. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because I think when we're younger, especially, we really do think we, we expect that everybody thinks the same way that we do. We don't have that understanding. And so to solve a problem, when we're stuck in a problem, oftentimes we either need to get outside our box or have some help from somebody to come in and be like, oh, like how many times have you been working? Were you working on like an ad or something like that? And then somebody walked in and you have been working and slaving forever and you couldn't get it right. And somebody just walked in and said, oh, why don't you just move this there? And you're like, (laughs) mind blown instant Um, solving the problem because they were not in your box
1: i have um you made me think i would anyway i have a couple of thoughts to interject here um and right off what you said you know your boss comes in and moves a part of your layout When you're in design school, you study systems, organizational systems. And there is such a thing called a Swiss design grid. And it's it's a grid on a piece of paper that underlies that whole layout. And to be very, you know, sort of Bauhaus about it, everything lines up and everything's organized. Um, but sometimes things don't work, and my boss comes in and does exactly that. He goes, "Well, why don't you take this and put it over here?" And I go, "That's brilliant! What was that called? What's that theory?" He said, "Well, I call it the theory of dynamic placement." <laughs> I went, "Really, really? There's actually a theory of dynamic placement?" He goes, "No, no, no! I made that up." He goes, "Put it where
0: it looks good." Yes, totally. (laughs) Totally. Like what did they do 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 before you before people studied design? Before people had all this artistic theory, the rule of thirds, all that stuff. People just put it where it looked
1: good. How do you how do you arrange the furniture in your apartment? Well, I bought a book on Feng Shui. (laughs) (laughs) So It's all oriented this way, and with the vibrations are fucking Oh, Right. Pardon my part. Well, but
0: that builds. kind of thing, and it's like, nah,
1: but oil looks good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and sometimes that's actually a valuable thing, because sometimes I think it takes a system to get us out of our box we're so stuck in our way of doing something or maybe we're trying to be creatively fluid and it just means that we've got to narrow it down and get solid in a system so that we can learn something new.
1: Um, it's good to know systems. It's good to have discipline and um, to have rules and regulations but overall all that gives you are a lot of rules to break right, right. and that's a good thing that goes where mm-hmm. where you're talking about you know how do you get out of a routine truth of the matter is you have to be in a routine first right you know and that routine, yeah. that routine, it has purpose and reason, and it's 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 all there, man. It's all logical, but
0: Damn.
1: you know, I, I had a at a cooking class in France once. So I went to France for a month to a cooking school. Ooh. You know, they don't measure anything. <laughs> My teacher didn't measure anything. You buy an American cookbook, and it's like half a teaspoon of this, quarter teaspoon of that, three cups of this, right. blah blah blah. She would well, she didn't speak English, which was a great part of class for me. (laughs) But she would just go boop, 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 and throwing things in and mixing them with wooden spatulas and whisks and and all of that. But you need to have seen a system before to know what part of that system you don't need. Right.
0: Um, One of my teachers... in, in
1: In her form of creation, it blurred the lines between science and art. Because all those ingredients, why you measure them in a very sort of test tube kind of way, yeah, there's a logic to that. But at the end of the day, um, that's not what matters, you know, under, understanding the the flexibility of your elements is more important than following, right. following the rule book.
0: Yeah, so. one of my teachers says, you learn the rules so that you can break them with elegance.
1: Wow, I like that.
0: That's good, right? I
1: like that. That's exactly yeah. That. So,
0: So going back to 35 thumbnails, what are some of the craziest outside-the-box things you came up with?
1: I'm not... I'm not thinking about my own work so much now as I'm thinking of a student piece that was was produced in a class I did at my university. A few years after graduation, the professor quit. And the department was thrown into arrears by this. And so the department had had to figure out how to fill that guy's classes for the rest of the semester, and so he called up a bunch of grads and said, "Look, can you come in for a week? Um, we'll write a letter to your employer and whatnot, and we'll, you know, fly you fly you in and give you a stipend, put you in a hotel for weeks. Not a lot of money, in there. nice, but." come in and lead one project and i think it was more like two weeks and so the assignment that i gave was an assignment i had been given at the advertising company two words sell milk that's easy that's that's easy
0: wait what year is this i think that might have a lot of context to the story um early 80s.
1: early okay. 80s um right.
0: anyway was well, big back then for those of you that are very young and don't know those of you that have only drank almond milk or coconut milk your whole life drinking <laughs> cow's milk was a big part of growing up in the Uh, 80s. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, And well before the famous campaign got milk. Right. Right. There was, I think, a lot of people are still familiar with that particular campaign.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, And a a milk mustache was Mm -hmm. part of, you know, one of the visuals to that. Yep, yep. But anyway, um, and this relates a bit to a photography assignment I've seen a number of times where the new students come into the room and the photography professor gives them an egg and sends them into a white room and says, shoot it.
0: <laughs> I didn't have to do that one, but I had to do like a white round object. So same well, thing, basically. That's the
1: same thing. And
0: yeah. what you realize
1: is it's a minimalist existential dilemma. Wow, <laughs> this is so simple. <laughs> this is so simple, but holy shit, this is complicated. And there actually I are know. a lot of ways I can crack that egg. you know. But yeah. once I've done that, then okay, so I better do what I can do with the egg before I crack it. Yeah, you know, and then I could crack it in pieces you know. <laughs> on and on and on. But so my assignment to the students was sell milk. And and that was it. And the majority of explorations were traditional. It's a glass of milk. It's a cow. It's yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, take your shitty headline, put it here. Um, <laughs> it was, no, it was all crap. And one kid comes up to me at the end of the exploration and he has the centerfold of the magazine open to just two white pages. There's absolutely nothing printed on it at all, except down in the corner, a very small line and and the logo, of course, for the milk company that says, there are three staples on this page.
0: Wow. (laughs) And I was like,
1: that's Genius. brilliant. Genius.
0: Right? Yeah. Um, that is brilliant.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, that's that brilliant. kind of a thing. And I said, you know, what What have I got here? I got 32 of you guys in this class. And I don't say this out loud, of course, but one of you got it. Right. <laughs> one of you got it. That's That's a home run, buddy that's it that's that's all you have to do and one of the one of the um what i call functions of being a creative director is basically removing shit yeah it's how do you find the good ideas well take the crappy ones out first yeah um and that's what it is with your own mind as well when I'm trying to direct someone. I'm not trying to solve the problem for them. That's why they're my fucking employee. You know, I hired you to do this work. So I would like to not think <laughs> about it. Um but I had one creative director once. She looked at all my 35 thumbnails and she said, "Well, I think you've got it surrounded not a compliment
0: you've got all the things outside well i mean but this is actually
1: surrounded
0: (laughs) and this is so perfect like i see this all the time with my clients they come in they're like well i have this problem this problem this problem Da 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 (laughs)
1: And they they go on and on
0: about the problem. They get themselves all tranced out. And then I see it. I'll see it. I'll start pulling the threads. I'll see it together. And then I'll ask them one question. And when I get it right, it is so... And they can see it when I ask the question. And it's usually something simple like, what do well, all these things have, have in common? common? And they'll sit there and they'll think because, you know, the you know, unconscious know, mind wants to go to task and then and it will, will start, start to see the common thread. And you and just, just, that's that the thing. They've, they've got the, got the problem thing. surrounded, but you've got to reel it throw in.
1: away what doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Throw away what's not helping you.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're like, "How is this a problem for me?" Like with my clients, how is this a problem for you now? You're like, "Um, I don't know. It's when you can't tell me how it's a problem, it's not the problem." <laughs>
1: right, 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 right. So, is there? Um, do we have a chat room here? Is there? A... We do. We, and. We've we only any... got a
0: couple people on, but people are more than welcome to ask questions. If they're on the chat, they can. But I don't. I had no questions have come through right. so far today.
1: That's fine. Um, oh, well, let, let me. Um, she's here. <laughs> you you monitor that because you're the you're the admin here.
0: Okay, so I'll do it.
1: You you mail that and just. Flag me if we need to put out a fire of some sort.
0: <laughs> Speaking um, of fires, you had a fire issue burning, today this burning afternoon. questions. Yeah, I had a friggin' fire today. It's insane.
1: Um, oh, now I see my, my chat room is bouncing. I'm here.
0: Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're all here. It's, We're all here. Good. Um. So we had, you had today, It's for those of you that are not in New York, we're both in New York, but it is hot as hell today. And oh, we are sweating. And David had, a he got a call that his storage place was on fire today. No, not a but call actually showed up. <laughs> right. You showed up, but you somebody told you it was on fire, right?
1: Well, they had a big red police tape thing in front of the front oh, entrance, oh. and there were about six people, half employees and half customers, having a knockdown, down drag-out argument about this not being able to get into the building.
0: Right. They um, were not thinking outside you know, the box. Lot, they should have scaled the burning walls.
1: Uh, anyway... Um I had this call coming up this evening, and this was probably, I don't know, between four and five o'clock, you know, I right. I had an errand to run, stop by the store, get my uh, my liquids for this uh, this conversation. And you know what? I was smart enough to just survey what was going on, realize, number one, I was not going to be helpful. And <laughs> number two, I was not getting in that friggin' building. Right. And these other people were going to sit there in 94 degree heat and yell at each other and I'm going, you know what? I really don't need this shit today. Right and i can't have what i want no one's dying right and you know what now i've got something to do tomorrow yeah and, Well, and and,
0: that. so and that really speaks to your thing about passive thinking in the sense that you realize there's nothing you can do about it right now in this moment so yeah. You get to let it go and move on with your day. It's funny the passive thinking thing. Um, we talked a little bit about it, but and and you and I talked about it the other day. it it is, you know, it's a little similar to this really popular thing that people keep trying to do, that people keep saying, "Oh, I don't know how to do this, but that thing that people call meditation. <laughs> which is basically just being quiet. And I know a lot of people go for walks. Like I used to do this a lot in my 20s. I would, you know, God forbid, I could not sit down and sit still, but I could go for a walk, a mindless, endless walk. And that was the way I did my passive thinking. And I would always have these epiphanies. I would always have this like clarity that comes from just doing a menial task or now I just sit with my eyes closed and do nothing, but, you know, know, I had
1: had at any number of jobs, I mean, including, including here in New York with um, the, I think outside my box project
0: right oh tell us about that right now i'm now for years
1: i walk home from work
0: right when
1: i worked for the big advertising agency in chicago i walked home every day now i never walked there why because i'm not much of a morning person i don't really have my I need I need somebody else to handle the technical things like driving. No, I want to <laughs> I want to jump in a cab and you know and don't worry about it until I get there and pay them um, and that's it. But I always walked home, and that luckily was through you know a pleasant commercial area, Michigan Avenue. Um, so you go past all the big department stores and see the window displays, and then I would always want to take a jog to the left or a jog to the right, walk through a, an area of brownstones, you know, nice houses, small coffee shops, whatnot, before I hit Lincoln Park, and then it's a park, and there's the zoo and the arboretum. And once I hit the Arboretum, I was home. I lived right across the street. Um, But just that simple thing to walk home from work, to to wash the work out of you.
0: Totally. Totally. It's still one of, even though I meditate, it's still one of my favorite things. I try to get out and go for a walk every morning when I get up yeah okay so now you since the pandemic your think outside the box program has been put on hold for those of you that don't know about it it is a david will tell you more but it's an art thing that he has been running on the high line for quite a few years so tell us a little bit more about that and how they can follow you and see all the art that was made and all of the things tell us all the things david
1: ah, product. this is called product placement <laughs> so that's that's our yeah i have to learn how to move with this camera right okay i think outside my box dot o r g um i know that says dot com but don't go to dot com that's a different website and it's old and the org website is much better
0: okay so i think you have it um and you have Instagram too, where you put all the art, a lot of the art that's been made through the program? Instagram, Instagram
1: is at symbol, one word, I think outside my box.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's that. Um, I think outside my box is a global, interactive painting studio where I set up a studio with paints and brushes and a nice place for you to sit and really great music and you make the art. So I don't make art. I don't sell art. I'm not, not in the business of, I'm not a a street vendor. Right. As they might say. And so what it is is that you take, Whatever amount of time you like, and I've had people spend three hours, right? Um, That's um, to make whatever you like on a three-inch by three-inch piece of cardboard. Cool, and over. Nearly nine years of doing this on the Highline, we've produced more than thirty thousand paintings. Wow! So you can you can find those paintings um, on the Instagram on the Instagram site. We're also on Facebook and org, of course. I think outside okay. my box.org um, is a good way to to become oriented on, you know, what the activity is. But since the pandemic, which was March of 2020, um, being together in a close group of people sharing paintbrushes (laughs) has not been, not what anyone would consider socially distanced. And I went through all the logical ways to solve that. And even at a very early time, before we hit lockdown, I was thinking of it, you know, in a humoristic way. And I thought, well, I'll get a hazmat suit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, right. Hey, come paint with me. And then literally the week before, we were locked down. And you know, floating a few ideas on Facebook, I realized that wait a minute, this is not funny. People are people are not not going to regard this as huge. So you can't (sighs) you can't joke your way around this problem.
0: Right.
1: Um, And with um with a real understanding for the park and their management i i realized that it was a public relations issue mm-hmm. um you know it's all about what's communicated here and being together was not what people needed at the time right. So I pulled the plug a week before lockdown happened because we had had a really busy day. Normally, I would mm-hmm. say that's good. But right. I realized it just happened to be one of those model spring days. Yeah. Um, and I realized it. And I worked for nine years longer than nine years under a security camera pointing right down at us you know they've got years of game film and i can just tell you that the whole idea of being together in such close proximity and not really having a way i mean short of building a hospital kind of environment where I have plastic shields, you know, like some of the restaurants had, you know, plastic cubes built and all that, you know, I started adding all those things up and going, what am I going to do with paintbrushes that we share spray, sanitize, spray, sanitize them the whole time, hand out rubber gloves and, you know, Add three of those constrictions and what you're finding is that's not fun. Right. Nobody's going to come here and making this a hospital like situation where it's masks and gloves and plastic shields. I'm sorry, man. That's not fun. Well, so it sounds like
0: it's, Time to think outside your box again and to see what's next.
1: And there we have it. That's um, right. We're just about at wrap time, aren't we?
0: Just about. So, for those of you that don't know me, I am Jenea Barnes and I take people from self sabotage to self mastery. So, those problems that you're stuck in because you cannot get out of your own box. (laughs) I help you rewire and shift that stuff so that you can actually create the life that you want and deserve. You can find me at jeneabarnes.com, which is G-E-N-E-A-B-A-R-N-E-S.com. You can DM me on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, all of that, jeneabarnes elevate. And David, I want to thank you so much for having this conversation with me and for being so gracious when I reached out to you. It's been fun, and I'm super excited to see what you do next.
1: Boy, so am I.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right?
1: Right? All right. Because I truly have no idea what it may be. Um, and I'm, I'm dipping my toes back into the, the advertising business. Um, you know why? You know what? What? Good money in that business. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, people think, people think, Oh, I want to be creative, man. I want to be hippy dippy. Screw that. It pays well.
0: Uh, you well can, and you, get, you do get to use your creative brain which is you know the plus a lot of creatives have this belief that they cannot be creative and make money too so
1: um, wildly incorrect
0: right. Um, right
1: if you have the benefit of being paid well No matter what your field, I sat a few nights ago with a lawyer, a new lawyer. She's two years out of law school, University of Chicago. She works at, you know, some prestigious law firm and her opening salary was $215,000. This is a punk kid. Who's, who's <laughs> never done never done a damn thing, and right. they'll pay her. They they will pay her two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars plus, you yeah, know, other bonuses and whatnot. Um. But what was interesting about her, um, was that she absolutely loved what she was doing. Um,
0: I think that's that's the she, biggest key.
1: She put herself through the University of Arizona, did her undergrad, um, didn't take out any college loans until grad school, until right. getting her JD. Um, but she did it. She was very purposeful and got exactly what she wanted. So,
0: well,
1: if you and I think. that's a big
0: piece is to really know what you want when you're clear about what you want and you want what you love it's a lot easier to get all of the things yeah 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 all right So. so thank you again David and um thanks for those of you that have tuned in and we will see you next time
1: and see Janea,
0: you love what you do so I do I do I totally do <laughs> alright bye guys bonjour thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of self sabotaging sagas if you enjoyed it please take a moment give it a rating pass it along to your friends follow it These actions help other people find this podcast and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.